Welcome to Day 236 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with David Keefe. We're reading through the Gospel of Matthew with Matthew Kresge. <laughs> Matthew and Matthew. Uh, yeah, so uh, we've uh, continued through the genealogy, which tells the story of Israel, and then the birth narratives and the early preaching you know, of John the Baptist, uh, which continue to see Jesus as a fulfillment of that story. And then we come to uh, chapter 4, and we see him continuing to fill Israel's story by going back to the place where Israel, you know, failed and grumbled against God and where he is tested and where he uh, resists the temptation and uh, where he succeeds, where Israel failed and where he fulfills all of righteousness, which is baptism symbolized. So uh, before we read uh, Matthew chapter 4, why don't uh, we offer ourselves in this uh, moment to the Lord. Father, we thank you so much uh, for the person of Jesus. We thank you that he is everything that we are in his humanity and everything that you are in his divinity. We thank you that you took him who knew no sin and made him sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And we see that story in Matthew as he fulfills all of the righteous requirements that required of God's people uh, so that through him we might receive the gift of life. Father, as we read, may our affections be stirred, and may our hearts uh, be shaped by you. May you give us a desire to know you, to love you, and to serve you. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will only bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended to him. When Jesus heard that John had been put into prison, he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He went to and lived in Capernaum which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. People living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them and immediately left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogue, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, 
and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the regions across the Jordan followed him. And it begins, as we uh, you know, pointed out in the introduction, with uh, Jesus fulfilling another episode in the life of Israel, uh, where the Holy Spirit immediately after the you know, Jesus said, I have come to fulfill all righteousness, mm-hmm. goes back to the place where Israel had failed the test. And of course, he he passes the test. And he's using quotations from Deuteronomy, which were challenges to the new generation, you know, mm-hmm. going into uh, the land, you know, the land of Israel. So it is a really interesting passage all the way through. But you see again him fulfilling, you know, the law and the prophets. You have to love Matthew's note too, the way he kind of introduces us right after the baptism where, you know, the Father has been so present and you know, the Spirit has been so present. You have the Spirit leading him in the wilderness to be tempted, you know, and, and just kind of the reminder, you know, that, that this wasn't something that was outside the will of God or the plan of God. You know, Jesus knew exactly what he was doing and, and, and sure enough, you know, whereas the people of God failed in the Old Testament and Deuteronomy, here we're going to see Jesus succeed. And one of the ways he does it is, is by clinging to the Word of God, you know, by knowing the Word of God and then knowing it rightly. Because I think that's one of the things that stands out to me as I read this is, you know, Satan doesn't just try to trick him with some cute things here and there. He actually quotes Scripture. And and Jesus then says, no, you're misquoting that. You know, you're you're using that wrongly. No, yeah, he he does what many times. This is the way we read scripture. We pull it out of context in order to, uh, you know, satisfy our own needs and desires. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, mm-hmm. um, you know, if I'm hungry, you know, then surely God wants me to be well fed. And if I'm in danger, surely you know God wants me, you know, to be you know be deeply you know protected. And surely God would want us, you know, to <laughs> capture the world, you know, for Him. But it's all done not only. Uh, you know, not only in our, not in our way, but in God's way and in God's timing, and it's quite different, you know, than than our way and our timing. Mm-hmm. And I love as well, you know, you see the, some of the humanity uh, of Christ here in verse two. That after fasting for forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. You know, this is he's fully human, so he was hungry. And then even in that, though, he still knows I don't just need bread, but I still need the Word of God, you know, to truly live. And so, just love that dependency he has on the word of God as he begins quoting scripture back to Satan, which, you know, reminds me as well that I can't just live on bread alone, but I also need every word that comes right. from the mouth of God. And, and, yeah. and the larger quote in Deuteronomy is about God testing Israel all of these years in the wilderness and giving them food to eat and meeting, you know, their deep, deepest needs and depending on them. And they said he has done this to test you and to teach you. Mm-hmm. And that man shall not live by bread alone, by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And, and so you have uh, children of Israel in their hunger complaining against God. You have the true Son of God in his hunger trusting God to meet his needs in his time and in his way. I love getting to see fulfilled too, just you know, kind of Hebrews 4.15 as as we've read as, as a church we're making our way through Hebrews that you know he was tempted in every way we are yet without sin that in his temptation here he he, he succeeds he, he doesn't sin as Israel did sin and didn't succeed he as we alluded to succeeds which is a wonderful uh, glimpse of Christ um, in our place I think the other thing that stands out to me in this chapter and just in light of kind of our, our journey through um, Matthew so far is you know, from that time, verse 17, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. 
you know, and, and, and then you get to see kind of after that, you know, what, what it entails. And we're going to see, I mean, Matthew's going to unfold this, you know, for the rest of the, um, the gospel. But I mean, what, a, what an announcement, you know, that he comes on the scene and, and that good news has come and, and it begins with repent, you know, a call to repentance. Um, and and it's, it's interesting to me that he places it right after Jesus is tested in the wilderness, fulfills all righteousness. But we also, I think as we read this, we're kind of, we're aware of our own, our own sin and our own failures, you know, and our inability to succeed in the wilderness where Jesus has. And his first call to us is, is a call to repentance. And, and there's also a nice little part in there, Matt, you know, we're, uh, you know, for the kingdom of heaven is come near. Yeah. And of course that fits up, you know, Matthew's theme of, you know, this is Emmanuel, God with us. And surely, mm-hmm. you know, he ends the gospel with surely I'll be with you to the end of the age. And when he says the kingdom of God has come near, it's right in your presence in, in the person of Christ. And of mm-hmm. course he'll tell parables later on in the gospel where it's not, you know, this big, you know, kind of, intrusion of God's t- kingdom but something that starts very small mm-hmm. and begins you know to influence all everything around us and of course that that is a picture of the kingdom but it's come very near in the fact that it's right there in the person of Christ yeah. we get to see the glimpses in, in, in verse 15 as he goes to uh, Zebulun and Nephtali as the gospel is also this news that's not just staying to Israel but it's also going to the nations, this kind of universal aspect of of the gospel that it's for the Galilee of the Gentiles when the people living in darkness who have seen a great light, and those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And so even as Christ is introducing the, the kingdom and, and the gospel and the good news and calling repentance, it's not just for, for one group of people, but for all groups of people. So I love Matthew pointing that out again as he as he does. And he does, you know, he does that again, you know, when uh, when we come back, you know, to the end of the chapter in chapter three, his healing miracles, they spread all over Syria, which would have been, you know, part of where Israel was taken into the exile. The Decapolis was also the area, you know, that was in Gentile, you know, territory. So you mm-hmm. see, you know, from the very beginning, Matthew hinting through his genealogy, through the coming of the Magi, through, you know, the early presence of Jesus in this area that had been so dominated by the, you know, the Gentiles, you see the, the nations coming and hearing the gospel mm-hmm. and something that he's emphasizing. And, of course, he's going to end his gospel by, you know, saying going to all nations, mm-hmm. proclaiming. Yeah, how cool. Yeah. That's one of the things that I think Matthew does so well is you know, he shows us over and over again throughout his gospel these kind of fulfillment you know stories where he he'll tell he'll put in a quote and he'll say you know this was done to fulfill this but then there's also other times where he just he just sneaks it in there and, and that's one of those passages where Jesus begins to heal the sick and he says you know all these diseases and sickness and pain and you start to think of all those prophecies you know which when the messiah comes or that the, the messianic age is here you know the lame will leap for joy and, and you have these promises that that run throughout your mind and it's almost like Jesus or Matthew or Matthew here is writing and saying, "I don't have time to tell you every single time I'm going to tell you a, prop, a prophecy is fulfilled." No, absolutely. But I'm going to give you these short summary statements, mm-hmm. and you know exactly what I'm. Referring uh, but you to. should be hearing that theme. Yeah. Uh, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, you know that uh, God's presence, when He com- returns with the people from exile, will be a restorative presence where mm-hmm. He will make people whole. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, you know the idea of healing. Uh, physical diseases gives us an even bigger picture into the healing of you know, spiritual disease. And, of course, shalom, the whole idea in the Old Testament uh, you know, uh, of shalom or peace as well-being in the presence of God and enjoying God's blessing. 
and enjoying God's restoration. And of course, that's the purpose of the gospel. He is restoring all things, beginning with us, beginning with what he does in our hearts and minds when he turns us toward him. But this is a picture of what the kingdom will one day be. Mm -hmm. There will be no lame. There will be no sick. There will be no one tortured by regret nor sorrow mm -hmm. uh, as he brings his shalom and he brings his peace and he brings, he brings his wholeness. You maybe even see a little bit of that when he, when he calls these first disciples, when he calls Simon and Andrew and when he calls James and John. That it seems like they left a lot behind, right? You know, like they just kind of drop everything leave their boats, leave their nets, leave kind of the father's business that they've been, you know, he's probably trying, hoping to pass on to them at some point. And then whatever they have lost, so they, it's all, they're all going to get it all back in, in Christ, right? There's nothing that they're going to leave right. behind and be like, man, I, Christ is great, but I wish I had still had that one yeah. thing I left behind. He's, he's going to fulfill them and satisfy them in every right. way. At the end of the gospel, you have Peter ask him that question. He said, we, we left everything. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that? <laughs> and he said, I tell you the truth, you're going to get a hundred mm -hmm. times as much in this life and the age to come eternal life mm -hmm. uh, so he, he reminds him exactly of what you said there is no true loss but also uh, you know Matthew is painting for us what our response should be in other words what does it mean to repent because the kingdom of God is near it's to make a decisive break with our past and to devote ourselves to following Jesus mm -hmm. and uh, so he changes you know he changes their vocation from you know, yeah. fishing for fish to, you know, fishing, you know, fishing for people. But you see that both, both of those responses, you know, in verse 20 at once, they left their nets and followed him. And then verse 22, and immediately left the boat and their father and, and they followed him. Mm. And, and so you see a picture of discipleship, which is decisive break with the past in order to follow Jesus. Mm. It, it doesn't won't look necessarily this way for us, mm. uh, but uh, that is still the heart of discipleship. I think too. I mean, what faith, you know, to to place your lives in the hands of this man, you know, who mm -hmm. I don't know what they what they knew about Jesus at this point. I mean, we we don't get all those details, mm -hmm. but I think sometimes those things that prevent us from following Jesus initially is just I don't know, you know, I need to know more about. Him. He needs to reveal himself completely to me, and yet we see these markers throughout Scripture and the Gospels where you know true faith is, and we'll never have a perfect knowledge, you know, but even in our no. imperfect you know, knowledge of who Jesus is, we can still know him truly. And, and that's what you see here is they're launching in saying, you know, we're on the, we're in and, on this. And, and we should probably realize that repentance isn't necessarily turning from things that are bad. It, it's turning from, you know, that, I mean, yeah, nothing wrong with, Jesus. nothing wrong with fishing, nothing yeah. wrong, you know, with having, you know, building a business or doing anything like that. But it is uh, turning away from, you know, things that once captured your affections and turning your affections you know, toward Christ. So a lot of times it's not repentance, you know, simply from the deeply fleshly sinful things we're doing. Sometimes it's repentance from the things that have captured our hearts and uh, keep us from following Jesus. Fun. Uh, Matthew's <laughs> deeply fun. And of course we're coming into, uh, you know, the richest section uh, we'll begin on next Monday, the mm -hmm. Sermon on the Mount. we Describes our character, describes our impact, and describes what true righteousness <laughs> is. We've given you a couple of psalms to read yep. over the weekend, and of course we hope to see you in uh, worship on Sunday mm -hmm. as well. Father, thank you for your grace and your goodness. Thank you for your heart and your character. Thank you for your call uh, for us to make a decisive break with uh, things of our past and to, to follow you. And may you give us the courage to follow you wherever you lead us. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. <laughs>